Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Good morning. It's Monday, July 26th. You are listening to the College Football Daily. My name is Trey Scott. If you came here expecting further coverage of realignment, you might be a little bit disappointed. We cannot allow the the changing of college football forever to get in the way of our across the country with the College Football Daily series this offseason, in which we are profiling every single Power 5 team. Today, it's North Carolina, so we'll be talking to Greg Barnes of Inside Carolina. Thought it, we had a really interesting talk. I feel like I always say we had interesting talks with all of our great guests from the 24-7 Sports Network. And we begin with comparing and contrasting Mac Brown from his first time at Carolina and then Texas and then now at Carolina. And then when we talk about UNC's title window right now, most people have them winning the Coastal. To me, it's really a toss-up between them and them and Miami. Carolina gets Miami at home, so that probably is swaying the votes. Uh, Phil Steele picked Carolina to win the Coastal for what it's worth and, and probably have the right to play Clemson with that. So we'll, we'll toss to the interview with Greg in, in just a second. I, I guess I probably should talk about other realignment stuff today. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday. It was a, a pretty quiet weekend. Uh, nothing didn't happen, nothing happened, whatever, whatever. I believe on Monday today is when Texas and Oklahoma will officially extend notice to the Big 12 that they will not be renewing their grant of rights for the 2025 and beyond uh, foreseeable future. And so I, I really think this week will be about what what everybody other than Texas and Oklahoma do in the Big 12. Uh, you're going to see some see some Kansas smoke to the Big 10. I'm all for that. Oklahoma State, Baylor, TCU, Texas Tech, are they Pac-12 bound? Is West Virginia ACC bound? Does the Big 12 try to try to act like it's going to keep standing here and absorb the AAC? Or is the AAC, the American Conference, actually in a better position to absorb the Big 12? I think that's that's what's coming up next. I was at dinner on Saturday night in Nashville with a few friends, and one's a Georgia Bulldog, the other's a Tennessee Volunteer. And the thing that they were the most fascinated by was the eventual what this means for college football eventually splitting away breaking away from the NCAA and I know Josh Josh Pate over at Late Kick is going to be talking about this on Sunday night and you'll be able to catch his uh, his episodes in the Late Kick extra with Josh Pate feed on the 24-7 Sports Podcast Network it's been exciting talking about this new this new SEC with Texas and Oklahoma it's been fun to forecast where these other schools could go talk about these super conferences but I think it's becoming kind of clear that we're not going to have these four really robust super conferences. We're going to have uh, the SEC, we're going to have the Big Ten, and then the ACC and the Pac-12 are really going to have to make moves to stay competitive. And then if you're like a, a marquee program, the ACC like Clemson, and you're not getting as much money because of your poor TV contract and you're watching college football get totally SEC focused. And it's hard to argue that it should be SEC focused. I mean, think about all the all the teams that are in there and think about the teams that are coming in now. You know, do you try to make an exit for yourself too? So it feels like treacherous waters in college football right now. The last thing anybody wants, I was, I was telling this to the, to the guys on Saturday night, last thing anybody wants is to to take away a world in which um, we care about watching Mac football on a Thursday or to take away a world in which Purdue even gets the chance to beat Ohio State 
do we really want we don't really want the 24 best teams to play in one conference and only play each other i know that the sec some of the fans enjoyed last season because of covid they they only played each other i know that that was a fun round robin type format but we want the non-conference we want the the variety of college football that is the reason we all fell in love with it staying up late and watching hawaii and um and you know get into become fans of of west coast schools and and small market players and and the lamar jacksons of the world and you know we don't want to get too far away from that and so we'll see what happens this week the next few weeks next few years it's crazy what a, what an absolutely insane summer and we're gonna try to keep the college football daily on the tracks here because we do have a fun 2021 preview uh, season to preview and we do have quite a few more teams to get to so anyway today the north carolina tar heels can they approve on eight and four from a year ago and more importantly can they challenge for the acc championship Greg Barnes right now of Inside Carolina. Greg, we appreciate you joining us today. I want to start with Mac Brown. You're on your way after we finish recording this to a, an in-state Hall of Fame type deal for Mac. I feel like he's probably in every Hall of Fame that exists for a college football coach. I'd love to know, maybe we can play a little compare contrast with what it's like covering Mac Brown right now versus my experience when I was in college at, at Texas. I, was, I, I got there in 2010, Greg, and that's when things started going off the rails for Mac. And I just remember thinking, this guy who I saw on TV all the time as a, as a happy coach, he'd started to gray. He had started to be really paranoid. He had started to be kind of cranky and grumpy. And you could just tell by the end of the whole thing, the last three years, nobody was having any fun. And it's made me so happy to watch in the last few years in Chapel Hill and see a totally rejuvenated, like he just had like, you know, 20 grandkids or something. He seems like he's having the time of his life. Yeah, for sure. And I can actually one up you a little bit. I'm, I'm a good bit older than you. Uh, and I was actually in school at North Carolina back in the late 90s uh, in Mac Brown's heyday. And the interesting thing about that time period is he had built North Carolina to a legitimate top 10 program. And yet because North Carolina has always had the reputation of, of being this basketball powerhouse, he was not really getting the respect that he deserved. He just wanted to be paid the same amount of money that Bill Guthridge was being paid, uh, which was not happening. And so there was some tension there. And so when he left to go to Texas, all the North Carolina alums at the time were like, see, this is this is what we could have been. And then to your point, kind of kind of goes sour for him. He gets out, spends five years in the media and comes back to North Carolina, refreshed, rejuvenated, understanding that you, he put too much of an emphasis purely on winning the last couple of years at Texas. That kind of ground him down. He, he understood that now at North Carolina, there's much more of this embrace of football. Bubba Cunningham understands the revenue components of that. And so he's actually getting what he wants from a football standpoint. And so all these things have come together, along with the fact that a lot of the alumni that were relevant back in the 90s are now the big power brokers in Chapel Hill now. So it's just kind of like a, a perfect world for Mac right now. And he's, he's capitalizing. Feels like he's playing with house money. His legacy is secured, of course. I can't believe he's doing it again in North Carolina. I did not think it was going to go this well, Greg. I, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty surprised. Does that speak to how loose he's been? how friendly he's been. I know he's going on the media blitz and that's what any new coach does, but I feel like I turn on the TV or open up Twitter and he's, he's talking to somebody. He's smiling about something. He's doing something on TikTok. Maybe to your point, he's not putting such an emphasis on wins and losses and, and more so worrying about, you know, in, enjoying the process and, and building something with a really great culture. I just, I'm just, I'm just really happy for him. And, and I, I think I'm just maybe at a loss for words and on this, on this transformation, um, the, the house money kind of deal. 
but I think at the at the root of this, he's always been an incredible recruiter. I mean, that's what he did at North Carolina the first time. He dominated in-state recruiting. He, he did that very quickly at Texas. And so while I, I had some reservations about him coming back too, because as we've said, really struggled late against Texas, seemed like he kind of aged out of the out of the game, uh, and then really seemed to enjoy ESPN for five years. And it was really a matter of, okay, we know he can recruit. What's he going to do in terms of scheme? And the only way I thought it would work is if he brought in young guys who were kind of on the cutting edge of, of schematics. And that's really what he did with Phil Longo and Jay Bateman. And he's been able to keep them happy. You know, we always talk about you know the, the CEO head coach, right? I think that's a little, little disingenuous. But he really does allow those guys to be creative and to really push the boundaries of what's going on. Um, he has his hand on, on, on everything for sure. But as long as you can be creative schematically and you can recruit, and he, I mean, he, he's always been able to do that. Uh, I think it just it, it has worked. And the fact that he has so much support around here, you know, Sally's from here. They've always, they've maintained that house in the mountains for 30 years now, that area out there. So it is, it's a, it's a good situation for him. This is a team that won eight games last year. So we're not talking about a powerhouse yet. I think we have to kind of pump the brakes just a tiny bit. They still have a lot of work to do. But certainly he's got them on a trajectory uh, that a lot of people didn't expect considering how the last couple of years at the Larry Fedora era went. Does he talk about that, that teams are ahead of schedule or, or I remember at Texas, he did this in like 2008. He, they, they were really good. They didn't make it to the big 12 title game because, you know, some conference standings were messed up and he was like, well, we'll be better next year. We'll be back next year. Does he like, did he say that last year about the Tar Heels? Cause when I look at this team, what's not to like, you got Sam Howell for one more year. This feels like the best window right now. And then you're going to turn things over at quarterback and for my money, get Drake May to be an upperclassman. Then you've got another great window. But does he talk about teams and cycles like that? He does. I mean, if you go back to the fall of 2019, he, he highlighted that the 2021 year had a, had a chance to be special because he understood there were so many young guys playing. At that point in time, you're thinking that Javante Carter, Javante Williams will be back, that Deami Brown will probably be back for another year. So he, he liked a lot of the pieces they have. I think when you add in the fact that Larry Fedora's last couple of defenses just really lack talent. Um, there's a few few guys that went on to play in the league, but not many. Um, and so he knew that he had to get a lot of talent on the defensive side of the ball, and they've largely done that. And the fact that you have so many guys coming back to your point, there's the opportunity there. I think for the defense to kind of get this team to where it wants to be and to hit some of those benchmarks that he's kind of alluded to, the young guys really have to play well. They have to take a step forward, which is hard to do. It's a lot to ask from young guys. Um, but certainly he, he he's talked about this year with Sam Howe being just the incredible quarterback that he is. If the pieces around him can be effective and not have some of the letdowns that they've had in past years, and they have a chance to you know, win the Coastal. And if you can win the Coastal, of course, you can challenge Clemson for the ACC crown. Can you believe Sam Howe is already a junior? I, I just, uh, time, time flies and it's, I think he's surpassed all expectations already. Um, one of the faces of college football, it's, it's, it's hard to believe. Let's, let's say everything goes pretty well, but lose to Clemson, whatever. I don't know. What keeps, what sustains Mac? through that like if 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 next season if next offseason it is not the buzz of carolina as a top 10 team but it's carolina reloading a little bit do you think max okay with that i think so um, i think he understands that as you said earlier he's playing with house money i don't think anybody thought that north carolina would be in the conversation for being you know, the coastal favorite as they likely will be and possibly challenging clemson 
at this point, three years in. And I, I think getting Sam Howell and for him to be as good as he's been has really, really given them a lot of, built up a lot of goodwill amongst the fan base, amongst recruits. That's probably been more than he expected coming back. I think the building job was probably bigger than what it's appeared to be because of Sam Howell. He's so good. I, I do think the defense next year is going to be significantly better than the defense this year. And I think this defense can be pretty good. But I think next year it has a chance to be really good. You do lose Sam Howell, which is a key component. And you're going to lose a lot of pieces on offense because a lot of those offensive linemen are probably, probably going to go pro. But that's where the evaluation comes in. That's where the development comes in. Drake May, they would like, you would think, to be able to say, okay, we went from one North Carolina quarterback to another North Carolina quarterback. We're just going to keep this thing rolling in state. And so maybe offense is not as good next year. But then a year or so after that, you've got that full, complete team that he envisioned when he came back five years down the road. So maybe this year could be a little bit of a peak early. But I do think the way that they're recruiting, especially defensively, as you know, if you can recruit defensively and you can recruit a stud quarterback, that'll get you a long way in college football. And this is a matter of filling out the other pieces. I was talking to somebody about that yesterday. Last question for you, Greg. You look at the schedule for 2021. I know we were looking ahead a little bit just now. It's almost like two parts, but three games. It's at Virginia Tech. Fun Friday night game. I think it's like a touchdown spread. And then in mid-October, Miami at home, bye week at Notre Dame. Is one of those three the games the, the one you have circled on your calendar, or do you have something else to throw at me? Yeah, that's a good question. And I'm, I'm just having a hard time buying into the Virginia Tech hype right now. Um, I, I think the reason that game will be difficult is simply because it's on the road. It's the first game of the year. It'll be against a, a packed crowd, if you will. They haven't had that since 2019. I think that's the challenge. I don't expect Virginia Tech to really be that good of a team this year. Clearly, Miami's the, the go-to game. I mean, I, I think both of those teams are going to be really good. Whoever can win that one's probably going to win the Coastal. I think Notre Dame's a, a measuring stick game. They had a couple of those last year. Notre Dame and Texas A&M played well through three quarters, but couldn't get it done in the fourth quarter. I think it's a good opportunity for them to see where they stand nationally, because I don't think Notre Dame will be quite as good as they were last year, but that's still a top 10 team. But I also think there's plenty of games that can trip North Carolina up. I think Virginia's going to be pretty good. Pitt's going to be pretty good. And so those are games that I'm really interested to see. Okay, these may not be the Miamis or the Notre Dames, but these are teams that can beat you if you're not at your A level. And that's what Mac Brown has really preached to these guys. It's one thing if you have so much talent, you can just overwhelm your opponents. But when you're just marginally better talent-wise, you've got to play very well to win. And I think they're still trying to learn that, as evidenced by some, some bad losses last year. I, I think it's a good schedule for them. I think it's good they do play that Virginia Tech game to start just because of the hype and all that. Uh, but yeah, I think certainly Miami game is number one on the list. And then Notre Dame is probably a close second. Let's say they run the table or only lose one game and you go into a uh, feels like the rivalry with NC State's really caught fire recently that on the road Friday after Thanksgiving, that could be a lot of fun. I think it's gonna be a really fun season, though, all around in Chapel Hill. Greg Barnes, we appreciate you joining us. Have a good one. Thank you. Appreciate Greg Barnes joining us again. Really fun Carolina team to watch this fall. That opening game at Virginia Tech on Friday night, Lane Stadium. It's going to be hopping, but Carolina should probably win. Anyway, our producer is Lance Glenn. I'm Trey Scott. Have a great Monday. We'll talk to you on Tuesday for the next edition of the College Football Daily. Sell 
Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale. With Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases. And shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval. No minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details.